I am Adam, and Graham is here. Victoria is off for a few days. Uh, Brian Geisinger, our friend. I don't even know. Brian is a hoops savant. He is a hoops maven. He recognizes things in the sport of basketball that I I only know that the ball is round. I know you get points if it if it goes inside the cylinder. That's basically my knowledge of the sport. Twenty four seven sports, the Buzzbeat podcast. He joins us on the Adam Gold Show. All right, uh, let's start with the draft. We're only about what a month away from the NBA draft, um, and Jeremy Roach did come back to Duke. But let's uh, let me ask you this: Derek Lively or Derek Whitehead? Who is likely to be off the board first? Um, I would say Whitehead off the board first. Um, but I think both guys will be in the first, you know, in the top, top, top fifteen, top twenty of this draft. But I would say Whitehead. I know he had a tough year, um, and I know he's recovering uh, still from from injuries um, and some health scares right. that he's had. The had last, surgery recently, right? Yeah, you know, for the second time in you know in in twelve months. So hope he's doing physically okay, but. My thought would be uh, the way he shot it at Duke, along with his, you know, his pedigree as a as a big time prep recruit. That's enough to kind of like get him, you know, back end of the lottery. Um, and then someone like Lively is like solidly in the first round. Maybe he sneaks into the late lottery as well. But I think Whitehead slightly better odds to be off the board uh, first than uh, his former teammate. Brian Geisinger is joining us here at Bgeis underscore Bird. Interestingly enough. My from from reading and doing some draft research, it almost seems that lively because of the size, because of the athleticism uh, and the potential defensively. uh, And as as I know, a phrase you like to use rim runner that I've seen a lot of Derek lively in the 10 to 12 range. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't a, a team like Orlando, like he kind of fits their their mold too. Um, and yeah, like he has showed himself to be not just like, a, you know, a good rim protector where he was like elite defensively protecting the rim this season, but just how versatile he was guarding pick and roll. Duke used him in pretty much every different kind of coverage you could use him in this season. He can switch out. Uh, he can play up at the level. He's he's He can drop. He's going to get stronger, which allow him to drop more, uh, you know, as, as a center in the NBA guarding pick and roll against those types of ball handlers. But he's just shown himself to be able to cover a lot of ground at different levels of the floor defensively. We talk about offensive players being able to shoot or score from multiple levels and lively kind of gives you that multi-level defense while also handling actions. Um, And what I would also say with lively too, just as far as his defense goes, you know, I got to see him a lot up close at Cameron this year. Um, He talks defensively And my guess would be that like when teams have him in for, um, for workouts, uh, for scrimmages, like that type of stuff that that stuff will show up. Like he tests well, because obviously he's a, He's an incredible athlete at his size, but like I think he has some of the intangibles and leadership qualities for someone that you would expect to, to anchor defense. And offensively, you know, we didn't. He tried the three ball occasionally <laughs> at Duke. Right. I do think that's something he's going to continue to try to to develop and improve as he as his, as his professional career starts. But even if that never becomes a thing, like I like Lively because 
he doesn't he he is not the kind of center that like demands you know a handful of like token post touches every game to get him to compete and and give like max effort right? right like he is happy to just screen dive keep the ball moving and you look at his assist numbers they're about 10% assist rate this year like lively can make some decisions on the short roll like he can pass a little bit too so he's not just a pure like lot like you can throw it to him at spaces on the court that aren't just right at the front of the rim and he can still help you in the half court offensively. So, um, yeah, I like Lively long term. I think he's going to be like a, a really nice, you know, starting center in the NBA for a long time. Brian Geisinger is joining us here. So those are two surefire first round picks. Is there a third first round pick in the triangle? You know, I mean, it, it, unfortunately, the last couple of months don't seem like they've gone, uh, you know, gone great for Terquavion Smith. He didn't have a great combine. And and obviously the last, you know, save for maybe the Creighton game in the NCAA tournament where he was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, Turk had some, had some tough games down the stretch. You know, if you think of the Clemson games, maybe um, especially, I still think there's a chance that like, uh, given where the grade that guys had on him a year ago, where he was, you know, back into the first round type guy, he did improve as a as a playmaker this season, and so maybe just like the creation upside with Terquavion is something that you know allows him to to sneak into the mm-hmm. or you know keep his stock in the in the first round. Like I, I would still draft Terquavion Smith in the first round, but if you have your doubts because he's he's skinny and. Mm. Um, you know, the shot can be streaky at times, which that was the case a year ago. Like I, I do understand. I would just say like the context with him at state this season, he was put in a spot where he had to make a ton of plays. Um, and he had to take a lot of tough, you know, pull up off dribble shots. Um, you know, that, I think that maybe like maybe did a little bit of damage to some of those percentage numbers across the board, but ultimately he's still like a, a big time, you know, uh, you know, microwave type score shooter. And again, I think he made strides as a playmaker. So I think he could still get in there. Yeah. I mean, whether or not he's the first pick, I think if the, if he j- just get a little bit more consistent with his jump shot, to me, he looks like a great, uh, you know, second unit guard. Like he could come in and he could give you 15 points. The, the, the archetype for him is like Jordan Poole, uh, yeah. Jordan Clarkson, Bones Highland, um, you know, these kinds of, you know, Malik Monk, like these types of like, uh, you know, six, seven, man, six, seventh man, um, you know, uh, guys that can, can run an offense and are also sort of like wired to yeah. score. I would just say with young shot makers like that, like it'll take some time, you know, cause it, what is like the, the things that Terquavion does best are like he takes and makes tough shots. And, and again, I think he made strides as like a, a creator and a guy that can make reads in the pick and roll. But, you know, that it, there's just some, there's an adjustment curve into the NBA. If you're not sort of like set up to be, you know, at, you know, a, a, a decent defender or play off ball a little bit more too. Um, I'm actually Terquavion's a good spot up shooter. So maybe he can, he can help out, you know, doing second side stuff too. But I think ultimately that's the hope for him is he becomes that type of uh, microwave, you know, playmaker um, off the bench. All right, Brian guys, let me, uh, let me spend our next three or four minutes or last three or four minutes, a little bit on the NBA. Um, how, how do you process Miami kicking Boston in the teeth in game three and then the last two games, especially last night, which was pretty much over at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, pretty non-competitive for the majority of the game. And I would just say, like, 
this kind of looks like the Boston team that we have seen for, for stretches this season. And I was kind of expecting to see more of in the postseason. Um, they, they're, they're the deepest team in the league or, 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 you know, one of the deepest teams in the league. They have been all season. They've got really, really good high-end players. If they don't have the best player in the series, that's probably Jimmy Butler. They've probably got the, the next best how many good players, you yeah. know, in, in Tatum's right there. And yes. I just thought Tatum, like, set the tone last night. Like, he's a top whatever player in the world right now. Yeah. Top seven, eight, you know, whatever, whatever, however you want to define it. He's incredible. Some of the passing he had last night was just spectacular. I think the last couple of games he's been so committed to getting downhill getting to the rim, using that, the handle and his skill and that body of his to really like cause havoc in the paint. But Derek White, it wasn't just Tatum. Like Derek White had a, had an absolutely monster game. So did Marcus um, Smart. At, <laughs> yeah, so did Marcus Smart. You know, they're finding Rob Williams on lobs. Like he gets to be a pressure point for them um, on the rim. And just like, I do think they found something lineup wise. Um, and look, Miami didn't have Gabe Vincent. I mean, they're, that's one of their tough shot sure. makers and one of their better ball handlers. They're also without Tyler hero, like good, bad, however you want to look at that. Um, right. You know, I thought, I thought Boston's defense did a nice job as the defense that was number two defensively in efficiency in the NBA this year, did a nice job pressuring ball handlers and forcing turnovers and when Miami tried to go to BAM and ISO face-up mode on the block, like, that's not his game. Um, you know, Al Horford, I thought, did a nice job on on, on BAM and those sort of, like, one-on-one mid-post isolation uh, scenarios. And the zone, which had been given Boston so much fits uh, the first couple of games of the series, like, I, you know, I don't know if this is just a, a two-game blip or – but Boston does seem – to be doing a little, to be a little bit more comfortable finding Tatum more at the nail and making a little bit more plays against the, you know, the zone Miami sort of like curveball right. they can throw at you defensively. And so when the off speed stuff isn't hitting, you got to lean on the fastball. I mean, Boston's got kind of like you know better talent across the board. So um, I, I still think Miami's winning this series. I don't, you know, but uh, better, better happen has, tonight <laughs> or tomorrow, yeah, or Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Game Seven. Although it would be. So like quintessential like Celtics this year <laughs> if they force it to Game Seven and then just Jimmy rip their hearts out yeah. uh, and and Miami know, is mass. Miami is the type type of team to do that real quick. Uh, we got like sixty seconds left. The w- whatever happens in this series, and I know they will have been off for at least a week. Um, <laughs> the 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 Denver the version of the Denver Nuggets we saw against the Lakers, man, that team is a juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. Special. I mean, look, Jokic is probably the best player in the world right now. Uh, and he's just having, I mean, the playoffs, he's gold. He's yeah. 30 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists per game on like 55% shooting 47% from deep. Like he get, they get good shots with him every time. It's tough for the offense to like go through a slump when he's on the court, you know? Um, and obviously in the postseason, he's playing crazy minutes. I think his defense and his energy have been good, but like they're hungry. They want it. They're, I mean, they're, they've really taken on like Mike Malone, Michael Malone's personality. Yep. Murray's shown up as a shot maker. Porter Jr. as a third option is just like ridiculous to have a 6'10, you know, 40%, <laughs> 44% three point sniper that shoots coming off of, off of screens. And if they play Miami, Denver's going to have home court. Um, it would be playing a, you know, a tired Miami team. Yep. And with the rest advantage, they haven't lost at altitude yet this year. Like that first game is basically going to be a, a wash, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think Denver will be, will be favored regardless of whomever they play, but 
add in now arrest advantage to a, a mounting list of evidence to suggest that like, yeah, they're probably going to, um, or they should be projected to, to win the title this year. Brian Geisinger, at Geis underscore bird, 24-7 sport, BuzzBeat podcast. I appreciate your time, my friend. I will talk to you very soon. Yeah, you guys have a good weekend. You too. Memorial Day weekend. Have a great uh, barbecuing season. I did that on purpose. Fight me.